the meme. Chase that dream, not the meme. Chase that dream, not the meme. Welcome to Dreams Not Memes Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is another episode of Dreams Not Memes. I'm here with my friend Brett Lucas, who's a little south of Sydney, also known as New South Wales. Brett is a director, an academic, a practitioner of the music industry. And today we're going to talk to Brett about his story. How's it going? Yeah, great, Brian. Thanks for having me on and uh, really looking forward to yeah, chatting about it. Well, it's all about me, obviously. So Yeah, yeah, it totally is. It totally is. So how did you get involved in music? Well, it's, it's quite interesting. So um, I don't know, I, I guess through primary school, I, I ended up getting an interest in, um, you know, putting together a bit of uh, like acting. And I, I started playing the electronic organ, you know, during the 70s it was and used to go on my weekly lessons. But it's quite funny and it's quite relevant later on when um, you're further down my um, my age, but I went to a concert in the Melbourne Town Hall uh, down, you know, in southern Australia there, and uh, I saw the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra perform and uh, as it turned out later, you know, through my musical journey, I, I ended up um, getting into the Victorian College of the Arts and uh, learning tuba of all things. And as it turned out, that tuba player that I was inspired by was actually in that concert in the 70s. So when I went to there in the 80s. So my my journey was very music focused and, um, you know, I ended up becoming a professional muso before the age of 18 and performing with some of the big, you know, the big ensembles in the, in Australia with the Australian Opera, the ballet and the, um, and the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra and things like that. But it, it wasn't quite enough for me because uh, in, in Australia, there's not a lot of, uh, it's not a big industry. So uh, to make it sustainable and, you um, and uh, to get an income from it, it's a very difficult. So I, I, I branched out, I became like an entrepreneur, you know, I ended up, uh, you know, developing like little, learning little things about business, about the arts industry and, and how, and then learned how to market an ensemble. I had a little quintet in those days and, you know, we went out into the markets and, you know, I learned a lot, you know, I failed dismally. I, I was successful really well and it was just an up and down journey and, and really sort of went into the industry. But then I also finished a, uh, a teaching degree, so I went into teaching, and um, I guess that drove my passion for education. I'm, I'm, I personally have the value of learning all the time. I'm constantly learning all the time. Uh, even right now, I'm, I'm going through a law degree as well, and so it's sort of but more in the media and arts area. Um, but, yeah, so from teaching, I did that for about five, six years, but, um, like, I need to evolve. So I ended up starting a, a construction and design business of all things. And, uh, and I guess through that, I sort of cut my teeth through learning a lot more about the corporate world or learning about, you know, how to run a company and, and how to uh, have employees and, and develop that. But um, once again, that evolved. And uh, then after I, I spent some many years in corporate life and uh, after, I think it was the end of like 2008, 2009, um, I decided that I really don't like the corporate world. I, I lost my passion. I lost my drive. And I actually lost myself in the whole, this, this world of uh, demands and deadlines. And you know, not that it was a big problem, but it was just like, I just lost my sense of purpose in the world. And um, so I decided to give up the corporate world and burnt all my suits, um, except for one suit. I just thought I better just keep one suit. And I still have that <laughs> this day. So um but I, I then sort of just, I wallowed around. I did a bit of work, a bit of web design, a bit of consulting, a bit of or just whatever, just to fill in the time. But then I decided to go into um, a, a social welfare, uh, like a, um, 
uh, sort of like uh, working in uh, with uh, kids who are disengaging from school or are at risk of le um, leaving home. So I spent about a year working with a group called Uniting Care in here in Australia. And um, it actually fired up a, something really interesting in me. It, it became like, actually, there's something that I could actually bring back into the community, bring back. Um, I have all this diversity and background in business and the arts and all of that and education. But this actually... Look, it taught me that you know there's you know I I had a fairly privileged upbringing and but I now I'm learning a whole different sign of our world needs a lot of help. <laughs> there are a lot of people out there that uh, need a bit of caring, a bit of love, and you know and and a purpose. And then I through that I found my purpose. So I actually a few years before I started my MBA and during my corporate time, so I was doing an executive MBA at the University of New South Wales, and. I, I put it on hold because it was, yeah, once again, I just didn't know where I was going. But um, I later went back and I went, look, I might just finish and finish off with a graduate diploma or something like that. And But then they said, no, we have a social impact speciality in our, um, in our MBA. So it's a, it's a corporate level, but, but it's more on the, the social impact. And then all of a sudden things are just clicking and away I go, I'm thinking, okay, I need to tool myself up and really develop this understanding about social impact and how I can share value in a corporate world and also make a difference to people's lives, you know, through that sort of thing. So obviously my angle is the um, creative and performing arts. So um, I went back to teaching. Um, I actually started, a, a, let's say, started another family. I have two generations of family. My, okay. my kids range from 32 down to three, oh, <laughs> and wow. just to give an example. And um, one grandchild and another one on the way. So uh, that's a whole different story. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. but a, a beautiful story, though. Um, we Yeah, so I went back to teaching. I finished my MBA. But in that time, I... Um, uh, my my head teacher at that school in the in the performing arts, um, she had a music academy and uh, she'd had it for around about uh, 14, 15 years and she lost her passion in there and she needed to sell it or pass it on to someone who might share that passion for the arts. But just so happened that I had that business background and that I needed a little case study or or something I could play with while I finished my MBA. It sounds funny, you buy a business and you know <laughs> quite a yeah. big financial commitment, but it's my little play thing and it's thing on the side sort of thing. So, um, but I found I found my tool. I found what I needed to really start experimenting and working. Okay, how do I actually? bringing my diversity of background, my business, my music, my, you know, being in the performing arts and understanding productions and, you know, and, and various different levels and put it into a business sense. Because I, I guess one of the biggest failings that I found growing up is as an artist, we're not, we're not tooled up with business ideas. We're not tooled up to even know how to invoice or how to correctly run a business, you know, yeah. compliance to what, you know, government and legislation. So, um, so through the through the academy, sort of, um, I, I inherited around about seventy five enrolments. Um, in the three years, it's now over two hundred and fifty enrolments, um, and most of that growth was since COVID. So it's it was an interesting journey moving into COVID. We were actually on this growth thing, um, but the difference is that the the academy I brought in the uh, a welfare focus. It was more like I have. Um, support for teachers, support for students, and also support for the families, because I felt that that would be a really fantastic value proposition when someone walks through the door. And 
they're safe in actually being able to create. You know, they've got the support of everyone around them rather than just turning up to your lesson. Yep, see you later. I'll go back, go home, do my scales, come back the next week. Don't practice my scales, go through the same lesson again. All that sort of, you probably understand yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so coming up to where we are now. So, um, you know, since COVID, we've just, I, I feel that's, you know, moving on from now, um, you know, just, just having that whole, um, I guess, background of, you know, through my music, through my education, through my business. Um, that journey has been absolutely phenomenal for me, and it's and I'm I'm now the real deal, <laughs> so to speak. I'm the package deal where all of a sudden now opportunities are rising. There is a need. There's an unmet need of of welfare and support and encouragement and you know and just sharing that love for people to be okay. I can create in this environment and I can really become make a big difference to my own life but also the community's lives, you know, keeping that positivity and creativity in the, in their lives. Yeah. Surely. And, and that's, Oh, keep going. No, sorry. Go on. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really important to learn from your story that like, we are the sum of our experiences. Totally. Yes. I mean, you're, you're literally living that. Well, I think, I think that we like, I, I'm really impressed with your um, podcast where exactly that you're connecting with people's stories and, and how the, how the importance, where we fit into the communities, where we fit into our own lives, into the whole social structure. And I think it's so important that I don't think we share enough. And when I don't think we communicate enough, um, you know, like in Australia where we're, we're sort of our ethos is really not to show our feelings. You know, we're like, I remember growing up, you know, as a guy, you know, you know, you don't show your feelings. It's a sign of weakness, you know, and, but I think now we're starting with all these, you know, with social media and like the immediacy of communication is really bringing out, look, I see a positivity in that. There are mm. some negatives as we know, but um, there's a lot of positive connection. And I think, you know, just, sharing people's stories like at the moment we're going we've got our anzac day here tomorrow which is a big celebration in australia and new zealand from world war one um every 25th of um over april every year we go and celebrate and remember the the fallen and everything in the world war one um but but fallen of every war that we've been involved in so there's a distinct you know community involvement so at the moment today is actually a special day in australia because it's building up to tomorrow like we have a an open thing and and it's good now we're learning a lot more about our history and our sharing of the our um soldiers at at war which normally in the past we never grew up understanding what it was really about the truthfulness the openness about it and and i think if we transfer that into you know just our everyday living i think it'd be just such a more special community environment yeah very good insight. Very good insight. Let's take a quick break and learn more about your story and what you're doing today. Quick message. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Dreams.Memes. Please make sure to follow Dreams.Memes podcast on your preferred streaming channel or on Instagram at Dreams.Memes podcast. To support Dreams.Memes podcast, feel free to contact me at daywithoutlove at gmail.com for advertising or sponsorship opportunities. Now, let's get back to the show. Yeah, okay. So, snapshot today. So, um, like COVID, as we know, it really disrupted everything. Um, So, we had to rethink about uh, where we head as as a business, but also as a community, an arts community. 
Um, unfortunately, in, in Australia, um, you know, I'm going to sound fairly political. Um, the, the whole industry, arts industry, was just shut down to just decimated. And I think um, I'm, I'm involved with the Musicians Australia, which is a union here as well. Um, I think that they've actually said that we're still only about three or four percent back to live performance of pre-COVID. Wow. That's how bad it is. Yeah. So, so, but I think that the whole recovery, um, and this is what I sort of put into my strategy um, from COVID, was to well, as I said earlier, create that real safe place where we can actually start getting our young people still interested in the arts. Because if we lose those people, where is our arts going to be? So I felt that education was a, a big priority. Um, we, we did a, a TV ad as a collaborative effort through the academy where um, what we wanted to find out was to see how our students felt when they were at the academy, not not what they felt about it, just how they felt when they were there. And it just floored me. Like we had, you know, I feel safe. I feel comfortable. I feel creative. I feel like I can express myself. I feel like, and out of that came my next business <laughs> business platform. I just felt, now we've got something really good here. So we, we put that ad together. We created a lot of collaborative, a real community spirit, and, and it reflected on our external uh, community, our um, little Wollongong Otharula community where we are able to express ourselves as a place to create. Um, so from that, growth just hit us. Like we became, we actually didn't um, go smaller like a lot of other academies or music schools. We do dance and drama as well, but we actually expanded during COVID. <laughs> we expanded our um, our online um, programs. I have an IT background. I just before the lockdown, we we actually I was actually involved in IT dealing with Zoom rooms and uh, Microsoft Teams. So I had to leave that to come back to the business and just like really develop it and success. That that was a that was such a successful move. We were ready before the lockdown, and we were we just clicked the button off. We went. I guess. When our, we tripled in growth since uh, COVID uh, was because we were accessible. We were we just kept going. We, we were within the guidelines, the health department here, and and then um, from that, at the end of last year, we we got approached by a um, PR company, Dead Horse Branding, to um, uh, like it was just out of the blue. I didn't know what was going because I created a monster, so I <laughs> I sort of decided. I can't do this by myself. I need to um, employ people. I need to get people because we just had this massive growth. Um, I put on a full-time manager just this year to run the whole day-to-day -day activities. But then Dead Horse Branding came on board and I, I thought, no, I need someone just to bring our message. We're just a little community here in this, you know, the south of Sydney and but we've got a we've got a bigger message, universal message, and I think that um, I wanted this um, dead horse branding to just okay. Can you communicate this message out to the community? Can you? I, I think we've got something to offer and to make a difference. Whether we make a great impact or a little impact, I just have that feeling that, especially with my teaching background, you always want to feel as though you can offer something to someone's lives. So. Um, and the great thing is we hit it off. It was just brilliant. So um, put that aside. So in those conversations, we've actually got this, uh, this program called Entertainment Connect, which we're now going to bring into the market. It's it's not just a, it's, it's starting off in the Illawarra where we live. That's the area where we live, just south of Sydney. Um, 
where we're actually meant going to mentor and um, we're going to create customized plans for um, for students who want to take their industry further. So you might be looking at mid-teens, the late teens, who are just thinking, okay, well, how am I going to take that next step? So going back to my story earlier, I, I can empathize where artists need to be tooled up with knowing how to invoice, knowing how to deal with managers, venues, promoters, um, because we hear some bad stories in the past. Where, true, true. And, and I feel like in Australia, um, I would say it'd be similar in America as well, but we've, we've had some pretty dodgy people, you know, and there's a lot of... Um, a lot of people being disadvantaged, not having the same opportunities. It's I mean, technology. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. why not be tooled up and go, okay, no, <laughs> I'm not going to accept that contract. But you're allowed to say that because I don't want I don't want people to be growing up with a fear of saying no because I think if everyone says yes to promoters and sorry promoters, I know there's some good ones out there, and uh, but we we also need to represent ourselves and and I guess that's where I'm an advocate with the Musicians Australia, the union that we have here, um, to really build up a, a, a like a, a solidarity to get out there and go no we're an important part of the community we want to have a sustainable income we want to be able to transfer our skills in that whole industry because look our entertainment industry in Australia is multi billions and and I don't think it's appreciated enough where. You know, even as a musician, you can go into the industry. You don't have to perform all the time. There's also other opportunities as you experience. You can go into education and teaching. You can go into marketing. You can go into management. You can go into, um, you know, promoting. You know, it's 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 such a diverse industry that I don't think young people are really aware of the opportunities that, that come with it as well. Yeah. So that's where Entertainment Connect is really going to become, hopefully, a, a real um, benchmark with taking the student up to the next level where they can have, like, you know, just uh, amazing opportunities uh, that can be fast-paced where they can actually connect. And this is where Dead Horse can connect a lot of the international level of performer to these people as well, to mentor them, to guide them, to even collaborate and work with them even. And what a great opportunity for a young person to, to have that connection. And I remember that when I went to uni, I was at Victorian College of the Arts, and we had... I had many international artists who I went and learnt of. I was able to connect with them and know what actually goes on throughout the whole world and learning new ideas and collaborating. And it's just, and and then when they get to that level, then they've got those networks to fall on. And remember, my whole thing is safety. It's being safe in that environment. And, um, you know, we've we've had the Me Too in uh, <laughs> campaigns and we've had, you know, quite a few things being, you know, people being caught out, you know, from the past, which I think is a good thing as well because, you know, I, I consider my own children, you know, if they're ever to go into the industry, I want to make sure they're safe. So that's where the conduit with the academy is, you know, helping the parents through the process just as much because they want the best for them as well and um, and we all do as teachers. So I, I, that's where we're heading to in the future right now, which is quite exciting. So that, that is exciting. And like, you know, in regards to musicians' rights, I know that you're part of the union and, and you're clearly an advocate. It's part of the reason why you're studying music law right now is so that you could send that information to the future because like, or the youth rather, because I just know as a musician, I had to do a lot of like all you need to know about the music industry network. I, I now have music lawyers in my network that I could talk to, but like right. the value of a music lawyer is just like so, so, so big because so, so many of us don't know when we are or are not being taken advantage of. 
Totally, totally. And it's almost like you go back to um, when you need a counsellor or a psychologist. So you might go through a bit of trauma and stuff. Yeah. You know what? That's too late. It's too late. It's sort of like we need to get that early intervention, like even in the music world, just get them learning about the warning signs, you know, just those triggers where, okay, well, I'm I'm going to perform in this pub, you know, okay, well, I need to speak to the manager and, and the manager might go, oh, look, you know, we're not going to pay you. We'll get some ticket sales at the door, you know, get some door sales or a bit off this or whatever, but hang on, hang on. No, I want to make sure that I'm going to get paid a minimum amount and then maybe blah, blah, blah. So it's for them to understand the, you know, the legalities, but more so the language, you know, it's sort of dealing with the, so, you, if you feel as though you're uncomfortable about the arrangement, that's when you put your hand up and go, oh, hang on, I need someone to have a look at this. True. You, know, you don't need to know everything about it, but you just need to learn the warning signs and the language of what pe- how people are talking to you. Because um, it's nothing worse than I've had um, a couple of my teachers even in signing exclusive agreements with um, managers but they're finding that uh, nothing's really happening. They, they can't go to another uh, agency and get a gig. They're stuck with this person, but they're actually um, yeah, controlling the environment, which I'm not. I'm, I'm for competition. I'm for people having equal access to anything and everything that um, you, you would like to. And if, if our musicians or uh, dancers or actors can, can represent themselves a lot more than what the manager does, I think that will give our industry a lot more cred getting back into recovery. And, and look, COVID at the moment, as I said earlier, our live performances beforehand, like our industry is just starting to come back. I think right now is a perfect opportunity to, to re-regulate, or not regulate as in um, restricting, but regulating you know, the uh, the commercial agreements and, and making sure the copyrights and, and that's coming back to the legal side. So that's where my passion is with um, learning more about the legalities. I'm not going to be a lawyer. It's more about um, representing and, and and able to transfer those skills to younger people to learn a lot more about the, the industry on that level, which is very complex, as you know. <laughs> oh, it, it totally is. I mean, like, you know, I've always thought about like, there's a theme song, there's theme songs to this podcast. And I always have to think to myself, like, how do I need to license that and protect myself before someone else yeah. uses it and things like that. So no, you're, you're completely right. And another thing I want to talk to you about is like safety and inclusion. While it's a very hot topic across industries, yes. you also mentioned that earlier, a lot of interest in music was going down and like, you know, your program helped a lot of people in your community get more interested was the issue related to access to music education or was it more about like the instability of music as a whole or was it a combination of both? Because like getting involved in music can be a very intimidating process no matter where you are in the world. Definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, look, I think it's a mix of everything. It's everything mm-hmm. in the pop, but I think it, it's it's becoming noisy, like mm. <laughs> pardon the pun. <laughs> it's like totally out of tune, you know, the distortion. But but it is. You've got a child coming up. Um, you know, a lot of our children. We start a lot of ours from you know five six years of age and going up. We have an intro to music, but there's a lot of noise about music. There's a lot of noise about performing in general, and especially at the moment. Um, so my my thing is actually to simplify the process about. Um, the transferable skills, the being being included in music. We know medically, 
um, you know, and then psychologically the benefits of performing, the benefits of learning an instrument and things like that. It's not just about, you know, okay, I can play in tune or sing in tune. Not, not everyone can do that. But it, the difference is, is you're creating a discipline. You're creating, you know, a, a self-discipline, being able to stick to a long-term goal. You know, you've got your short-term, long-term goals. So there's a soft skill just in goal setting. Then you've also got the confidence factor, you know, just getting up in front of people. It doesn't matter if they're playing hot cross buns, you know, 200 times in, in the public, you know. It's more about um, them just getting in front of people and, and learning about connecting with people. So, and, and then on top of that, you've got, um, you know, just the organisational skills, being able to put something together, a program to perform in front of a person. That's like a marketing plan, you know. So so what, I, what I'm advocating, like what... what is suggesting is like yes there's inclusion but there's also relevance and i think if we promote um our music industry our arts industry in a total thing i like i'm just talking the arts industry now you know we need to promote the soft skill we need to encourage and support that this is a great conduit in fact it's probably the conduit you go back into roman times you know socrates and all those guys what were they doing maths music and i don't know something philosophy <laughs> i'm just trying to remember but all i philosophy, remember is yeah. music <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so and and it's such an important thing because it's so personal it's it's some it's your brand because you know even just to go for a job interview these days the competitiveness of getting a job is probably far higher than i remember as a young person you know because you've now got technology technology has taken away a lot of the stories and personal side of things with our younger people I'm, I'm talking about younger people how they see it because i taught in a local high school wollongong high school of performing arts and unfortunately there's there's a big thing of anxiety and there's a big thing of um of, and, and i think it's you know from teaching during the 90s compared to teaching now it's the technology and they're they're, they're trying to survive on, on social media social media is great i'm not it's a tool it's a tool to connect it's like all those sort of things but you come back and get intuitive you get you know the inside values of learning how to be a good person how to learn to make other people's lives better as well as your own and I think this is intrinsic I think I perform because I love to share with other people I talk because I love to share with people I don't care if they get bored or they get sick of me after a while but but it's more like you know we all got a message to say and I think we want our young people to grow up thinking that they're important to us that they are valued there is a future for them it doesn't and but I think music is a great conduit to to get these kids out there you know the shy child that all of a sudden gets on stage and goes hey this is really awesome you know we've got um, special needs students who are just going yeah I can I can I can feel a beat now you know they it takes a fair time but then all of a sudden you can see the you know the the light bulb just going ding, and then here we go we're on a journey and then they just get better and better and they're also able to look after themselves better too. We, we have a, um, like our vocal students have voiceology. They, they talk about looking after your voice, especially through puberty, you know, just making sure that you're not screaming and, you know, doing the Celine Dion ballad, you know, as a six-year-old. <laughs> it just is wrong. <laughs> but but even during the, the transitioning of the voice, you know, um, even through our technical sides, how to hold a guitar, the posture, you know, these are important things to even when you go for a job interview, look at your posture, look at your and, um, you know, we, we have a movement class where 
it's it's about movement and being on stage. It's not just meaning, you know, being on stage and performing. It's about how you move on stage. You know, where do you you, you where do you, can you connect with the audience? Well, there's the perfect marketing advertising campaign. Like when you're working for a, you know, a big global company, you're learning the 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 frameworks of business already because <laughs> it's all about people. And that's how that's that's what we're advocating, you know, moving on to the in my, I have a world domination uh, strategy. I'm going to take over the world on communication. There you go. <laughs> That's where we're heading. No, no, no. I love it. And I love hearing your story because the reality is, is like, I've talked to a lot of music educators in this podcast. I met a lot of music educators just from touring. And, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the one thing about education as well as music education is like this world lacks communication despite how many devices that we have in yeah. like society. Like, you know, you meet a person like, you know, when I was younger, when you were younger, even though I'm 32, I definitely could be your son. Like, <laughs> like, like you just asked for, the for that. Now I feel old. <laughs> oh, no problem. That's not what I meant. You know, you just ask young at heart. <laughs> yeah. You, you feel it. Like, you know, you'd ask for someone's phone number and that was it. Right. Yeah. Now, yeah. if you meet someone, it's like, hmm, phone, email, uh, Instagram, Twitter, like yeah. there's so many options. And like, it's not even weird anymore. It's like, you literally have to ask someone which way to communicate. And I think your program's kind of, you know, holding students accountable to communicate their most creative thoughts and ideas. And, and that's something we all need. And, and not be fearful of it. I think there's a lot of fear in our, and, and look, media is the biggest reason for it because we we hear so much bad media we're scared because it's COVID we can't go out you know we you know we want people to feel comfortable and and be be able to express and I think if we take away that fear as you say communication opens up those channels you know you know have that face-to-face conversation or get on zoom zoom's okay zoom's just a tool and like here we are you know you're you're many thousands of kilometers in a different day a Friday than <laughs> yeah. <on> a Saturday. <laughs> it's like time travel yeah. <laughs> Oh, let's let's go into time travel now. Wouldn't that be awesome? Um, <laughs> but it's it's it is so good, yeah. And and it's and it's nice because like these days, I think it's comforting that we can speak to you know family and friends and loved ones and um, and meet new people. You know, just on this network, it's it's just great and to have a conversation, um, not by getting in text messaging and. Facebook message or um, oh gosh, I'm showing my age because a lot of the kids don't go on Facebook anymore. There's a whole <laughs> new gamut of things, but Instagram and but it's True. nice to share images. But images, yeah, they they convey a message, but they don't have this intrinsic connection, which I think is what we're lacking these days. Isolation True. seems to be the key. Yeah, I, I completely hear that. So this has definitely been a good episode of Dreams Not Memes. What moment of clarity would you like to share with us about your journey? One word, purpose. <laughs> um, it, it's funny, I had that epiphany a few years ago. And I think if, if I was to tell my younger me, the time travel, let's go time travel. Yeah, let's go back to the 70s and 80s. You know, they were pretty wild times growing up. Um, a lot of change. You know, we went from the Vietnam War times, you know, the all that sort of thing. But I was still only young then. I'm still young now. Um, still young then and still trying to work out what's going on. During the 80s, I remember, um, you know, in my bed, you know, thinking that we're going to be blown up by a nuclear bomb because it was the Cold War times, you know. And, and then all of a sudden I had my 
element of discovery through music and, you know, performing and then all these other things. I've had a lot of horrible things happen. I've had some trauma in my life. That's a whole different story. But but you know what? It comes to purpose. It comes to resilience and purpose. And, um, you know, find that purpose. It doesn't matter what it is. The purpose could be just something nearby, you know, a neighbour or or a community thing, or it could be a global purpose. You know, we we see a lot of climate change. We see a lot of uh, things going on that we need to be responsible about. Find that purpose and stick with it. Um, I found my purpose. It's taken me, what am I, 52 now? It's taken me this long to really find, okay, this is what's going to take me to my, you know, my end of life, you know. But I want to reflect that, you know, when I die in 50 years' time, I'll be 102. Yeah, I'll be fine. Um, I'll be... Uh, you know, I'll be reflecting, going. I made a difference to this world. I kept this world going. I kept this. I kept my, you know, young people learning, and then they're, they're turning into adults. They're becoming advocates of the communication. I, I, it's almost like I'm going to call it a communication is now the new cult. <laughs> we just got to just get it out there and just stick with it. Do not leave communication. Always keep communicating. And look, I look at our politicians, and sometimes I cringe. You know, and. Uh, like, I don't know, we know about your politics in the last few years. I'm not going to go into detail <laughs> yeah. there. But, um, but, you know, especially our local politics here, you know, I watch Question Time in, because I have a great time. I watch Question Time in Parliament. I think I'm looking at like kindergarten level stuff. It's just really almost embarrassing and cringing that we, we should have a direction of purpose. So to <laughs> very long-winded answer to your question, but, yeah, Purpose and relevance and and communication. They're they're the things that, you know, with everything that if I can finish off on this conversation, that is that's what I've learned so much with everything. Well, thank you for your story. And this has definitely been a good episode of Dreams Not Memes. Thank you, bro. Anytime. Hi, this is Brian from A Day Without Love. Thank you for listening to Dreams Not Memes. I just want you to remember, your dreams matter. If you'd like to support this podcast, email adaywithoutlove at gmail.com for donation information, or follow me for weekly episodes. Thank you for listening and joining my journey. Have a good day.